Hello and welcome to season three of the Melrose Place cast. I'm Mary. I can't believe we're still doing this. Oh my gosh, I'm Teej. And what what could possibly stop us, Mary? I don't know at this point. I honestly don't know. And I wonder sometimes. Season three, wow, it is really kicking it up a notch. Mary, we are cooking with grease this season. We are firing on all cylinders. Oh my God. And speaking of fire, I don't know about you, but I think there may be some explosive plot twists coming our way. (laughs) Did you say explosive? Yeah, are we this getting... place about to blow. Are we going to get sued? <laughs> Have the money. Please don't sue us. They can take all the royalties. We don't make any money. Because you know what? There's no real There's no real sponsors. But each week, we're going to have a couple fake ones. We sure will. And you're going to learn all about them coming up now on the Melrose Placecast. Hello and welcome to the Melrose Placecast. Today we're talking about season three, episode 26, called Melrose Impossible. I'm not sure why. I'm Mary. I'm Teej. What, Mary? It's because it's Melrose Place. So Melrose Impossible instead of Mission. They couldn't call it Mission Impossible. That's copyright. Why would it be called Mission Impossible? I don't know that either. (laughs) But I will say this. I will say this. There are two words, the word impossible and the word beyond, both of which I think have been fully co-opted by vegans. Like anytime I see the word beyond, like I, like I think like, oh, it's going to be tasty and same with impossible. So does that get you into trouble ever? (laughs) I cannot confirm or deny. I believe I have, does impossible make the little nuggets? Yeah. I think I have Dinah Sharp dinosaur-shaped nuggets in my freezer that I have. Shut the fuck up. I'm coming. I'm on my way. Get in the car. Listen, will I'll I drive will I, will I drive six hours to save $2? Yes. You know I will. You know I will, Mary. These are, they're already paid for. Hot and paid for. <laughs> well, Mary, how did you like this week? This was a fun one. There's an awful lot going on. Uh, uh-huh. As you have surmised, they have to pack a lot into the back half of the season especially the last like five episodes of the season. Yeah. Yeah. And they're doing it. They're cramming we, it in. They're, they're cramming it in like turkey in a stuffing or stuffing in a turkey, <laughs> you know? And we still, um, Allison has to get drunk again. She has to get fired and get drunk. Yeah, that hasn't happened yet. Billy has to get fully get married. And a character who has yet to appear on the show needs to <laughs> enter a love triangle and get murdered while confronting one of the, the participants. How many more episodes? There's only four more episodes? There's, a, there's three episodes and then the season finale. Oh, but that one, is it like supersized? Like where it's real big? It is, it is. So it's like two, but it's technically one. Correct. And we did have another one of those earlier too, right? So like it, it, it there's 32 episodes of content. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, well, Ma- Mary, this week was just stuffed filled like a turkey it's by the way listeners we're recording this a week before thanksgiving you got tofurkey on the brain oh and you you can't get it out mary did i ever tell you the first time i had tofurkey no okay so picture it it's 2003 i'm just about to i'm picturing it wait picture it yep yep we we have those phones we had just moved on from flip phones flip phones those weren't cool anymore so we had the little heavy little bricks with a short little antenna that still poked up that you could like poke someone's eye with. Yeah, yeah. 
And I was graduating college in December. My friend, Mary Jane, who doesn't listen to this podcast, uh, took a job in Missouri and invited me to her college campus for Thanksgiving. Okay. Okay. So I disappointed my parents and away I went. But I was vegetarian at this point. So I went to a health hut store here in the greater Milwaukee area. Is that like a pizza hut? No, absolutely not like a pizza hut. Picture like vitamins and protein powders. Oh, like a GNC. Yeah, and vegan food. Okay. So I got a tofurkey in a box, a whole kit. It was like $28 in 2003 bucks. Oh my God, that'd be like $900 now. Drove it to Missouri. We cooked it along with regular turkey because she had normal people there too. And this tofurkey at the time, the tofurkey roast, it was wrapped in something that I can only describe as a gym sock. It's to protect the, the juices. Something. I imagine. Anyway, we we made it and Mary, Mary Jane ate the first bite. And I remember specifically, she yelled out, I love the tofurkey. <laughs> and all of her friends looked at her and me like we were really weird. And then she took a second bite and didn't like it anymore. The novelty had worn off. That it, had. it had. Or maybe she got a bite of the sock. I don't know. I, I've never had a good bite of sock. But like this tofurkey that was stuffed with kind of a like a stuffing type situation. You this, mean like in a dirty old sock? Like in a dirty old sock. This episode had so much high art for the generations. Really? I think it's not going to surprise you two of the quotes I pulled out. But let me just tell you what they are. Are you ready? Okay. okay. So uh, first... I'm just a kid from the suburbs. <laughs> um, I'm going to have so much fun with it. Oh, boy. Next, leave it to a small town boy to find small town pleasures, even in the big city. Oh, yeah. We're talking about my whole life journey here, Mary. And then finally, <laughs> blackmail is a growth industry. Those are my... It really those, is. It, you know, people, people forget about just the growthfulness of blackmail. They really, they don't think about it. They don't. And if they did, I would hold it against them. So I would, I would like to start here with blackmail as a growth industry. Okay. And part of why I would like to start here is I don't think this one's going to make your list. This Jane and Cindy storyline. No, no. no. Yep. No. So, okay. So I'm, this is my defensive maneuver to try and get a win, like sneak one under the cover of darkness. Yeah. Right in the broad daylight of the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. Before right, so, I'm tired. <laughs> so here's what happens. Sydney comes in to Mancini Designs. Now, Mancini Designs is back to being in financial trouble. I think we can just say uh, virtually always in financial trouble. Except after half a million dollars was stolen. And the weeks after that, everything was fine. <laughs> it was so weird. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so Sydney comes in and she's bothering Jane. And Jane had just like gotten off the phone with the creditor. And Sydney's like, me, 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 me. And Jane's like, Enough. And Sydney reveals that she got $100,000 from Michael and Kimberly. And Jane is like, uh, what now? And this is when Sydney drops the line, blackmail is a growth industry, Jane, especially when you're dealing with snakes. Ooh. Now, here's why this is high art for the generations, Mary. Are you ready? Because sure. black, blackmail, uh, it's uh, maybe the second oldest profession in the world. First only to first. prostitution, Sydney's other oh. other other she's, livelihood. She's checking them off the list one by one. She's, go, she's going down. Just wait till she gets to the 1,313th oldest profession. That would be accounting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, she's going to have to take some schooling. Anyway, uh, blackmail is a growth industry. Here's, I think she's so right. 
And the reason is blackmail, right? Like there's always something to blackmail someone about. I could blackmail you right now if I wanted. I won't. I won't because we're good friends. I don't have any money either. <laughs> but <laughs> I could blackmail you for a cat. I could do it. Because you wouldn't. you wouldn't. Because when we used to record this, we when we would first schedule an episode, we'd talk for half an hour in Anchor. So I have all that audio. It's just me complaining about jobs. With names, Mary. With names. <laughs> and I I could I could blackmail. But I don't work there anymore. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> <Bye>, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um mary we also i have audio of you talking about the halloween fire in your town with names <laughs> and those are some dangerous people so i've got it here's i'm just saying i'm just saying okay I got it okay. and blackmail uh like many industries um also benefits from inflation every year people have a little more money to be blackmailed out of hypothetically when the, when the stock market goes up we can latch onto that 401k that didn't actually have any matching funds because the employer was broke, but we can like suck some of that out, right? You know, yeah. it, it keeps growing. There's more and more opportunities. And I think what Melrose Place was really tapping into with this line, blackmail is a growth industry. I don't think she was saying like, there's more opportunities for blackmail because I don't think there are. I think she was saying with each year, the the purchasing power of, of people's salaries goes up and then you can suck out just a little bit more, just, just a little bit more like a snake with a straw. <laughs> oh. So that's my art for the generation, but what continued to happen after Sydney dropped that art bomb, uh, yeah. and art bomb, B-O-M-B, different than art bum, B-U-M, which would oh. be what Jake and Perry made with their... <laughs> Perfectly printed ass cheeks on the canvas. Those perfect ass cheeks in bright primary colors. Yeah, it, it was <laughs> it was good. Um, Sydney is going to invest a hundred thousand dollars in Jane's business and doesn't reveal to Jane until the moment they're at the lawyer's office signing the deal that oh yeah yeah Sydney is going to be president of Mancini Designs. President. <laughs> president Sydney. Sydney Andrews. Hooker to the stars, the number one hooker in LA is going to be president of Mancini Designs. Sydney Andrews, Jane recently called her probation officer to say Sydney cut up my line of, <laughs> of poorly designed garments is going to be president of Mancini Designs. And, and Sydney thinks this is protecting her investment? What? How is Sydney? Hire someone. That and like Jane has proven she can never take care of the money. Like she's never been able to keep money in the business. Every single time she's either gotten swindled or something stupid has happened. So yeah. why would you even give your money to Jane at this point? There's to be to be clear, Jane should not be president of Mancini Designs either. <laughs> and neither should Michael Mancini. No, none of the Mancinis. These bitches, I include Michael, so that wasn't sexist. But these bitches would be better off putting Kimberly in charge of Mancini Designs. Kimberly was good at looking at the books at one time. She would blow the profits up. That's right. Kimberly did come in and look at the books and caught Jane pulling a scam. Maybe Hello. the president should be that accounting guy that she tried to get to do the scam. What was his name? Kevin? Kevin yes. should be the president. Yes. Plus he was tall and weird looking. I would have liked to see more of him. Anyway, Jane signs the papers, making it official. Sydney Andrews is president of Mancini Designs. Now, no, now she listen. is a Mancini. She's a Mancini. Well. 
And she has been involved in the fashion industry for all three seasons. Remember, she was uh, yeah. with Kay Beacon. She was the donut catcher. Yeah, she was doing a great job with those donuts. She was doing that. And, and Kay Beacon loved Sydney and liked her style. Didn't, yes. she, didn't she take Sydney's belt? Yeah, she loved Sydney's belt. There was, there was two instances of a belt being used as a prop. I think the other one was, um, didn't Bruce Teller borrow Billy's belt? That's why Billy doesn't ever wear one. Well, he wears those jeans too, so. <sighs> anyway, the, the episode at the very end, Sydney confronts Sydney Andrews. Five foot two Sydney, no offense. Sydney Andrews <laughs> confronts Amanda Woodward. Wonderful. And so Wonderful scene. Wonderful scene. With the ad campaign for Main Sydney Designs. <laughs> Amanda Woodward says, uh, you need to talk to Allison. I'm not the president anymore. And Sydney <laughs>, laughs and says, yeah, whatever. We all know who's really calling the shots. Like <laughs> that was game recognizes game. She knew exactly what was happening. It was so good. And the little piece at the end before Amanda walked, so Sydney has like turned and stomped away. And Amanda just laughs and rolls her eyes. And it was oh, beautiful. It was perfect. Perfectly done on both parts. Wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, blackmail is a growth industry because of the power of uh, adjusted inflation, consumer price index, Alan Greenspan. Is the, he still alive? I don't think so. He always looked old. He did, And he was married to Andrea Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. I like her. I don't I really like have an opinion about him, I guess. Yeah, well, there we go. Anyway, that's my first swing. Mary, you're up next. I'm going to let you have that one. Yes! Listen, I know the only reason you let me have it is because it ended with that adorable scene between Sydney and Amanda, but I am <laughs> taking the win. This this may be my week. This may be my week, the, my peak moment know. in season three. I don't know. Um, also, Sydney looks very cute in all her scenes. I like her outfits. Yeah, she's, yeah. Yeah, she's a. She, let, let me tell you, she's more fashionable than Jane Mancini. I mean, you said it before I did, but she generally does look better at <laughs> Jane. Not that it's all about that, but like if you're in the fashion industry, I mean, boy, oh boy. Well, can I can I um, counter? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. You probably probably knew I was going to go this way, so this probably won't come as a surprise. You're weak. You're scared, and you're not even sexy. I don't remember that. <laughs> How could you not remember that? <laughs> um, okay, Kimberly. Oh, I concede in advance. I concede in advance on, on the Kimberly storyline. <laughs> we could save a lot of time and we could just go back to you. Or do no, you go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, so there's a morning at the hospital where Matt comes up and asks, hey, Michael, do you know where Kimberly is? And Michael's like, I don't know. She's probably <laughs> living under a freeway. I don't care. Cut, hard cut to Kimberly in a jogging suit with a bandana like Rambo around her head. Mm-hmm, and she's crawling mm-hmm. on the ground, like in an obstacle course, like when you watch a military movie and there's a mm-hmm. drill sergeant and he's yelling and he's like, hey, you got to go and you got to get through this stuff. And we zoom out and there's a whole bunch of ladies. I think it was all ladies in these gray jogging suits. And all ladies, up, all ladies. When they pop up in red, it says no more victims on their sweatshirts. Mm-hmm. And I said, finally, here we are. I've been waiting for this. Uh, the drill sergeant's like, do you want to be a victim all your life? Move it, move it. And so we cut and the women are running. They're doing that thing where you run through tires. You put your feet in the tires like football players. And then they're jumping over barricades and they're crawling through chains. And then there's this one running next to Kimberly and she shoves Kimberly down while she tries to go up this tire climb and think. And the drill sergeant's like, hey, Shaw, get off your butt. Move, get the left out. 
So Kimberly gets up and she is not happy. And she catches up to the lady who shoved her at the next obstacle, which is like one of those walls of netting you got to climb over. And the drill sergeant's like, Marine, she's behind you. So we know the lady's name is Marine. Kimberly's closing in, but Marine turns and kicks her and knocks Kimberly right off of the thing. It's like, holy shit, somebody's beating up on Kimberly again. Anyway, Kimberly does not like this. So she, the guy comes and helps her get up and he's like, you gotta, you're in no more victims camp now. You will not stop. You will not give up. You will succeed and you'll be stronger than you ever were when you walk out of here. No more victims means control. It means strength. It means never, ever letting another human being get you down ever again. You got mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. And Kimberly's like, I got it. <laughs> so that's the end of that little scene. Later that night, they're running in formation, like when people are in the army and they chant. Uh, the drill sergeant's like, no more victims means just that. No more victims. You give me two weeks of your life so you can go back to your new life with courage and without fear. Blah, blah, blah. This is the same kind of crap over and over. I'm not a victim anymore. He says, let's hear it. And they all yell, I'm not a victim anymore in unison. But then Kimberly keeps going. <laughs> and the drill sergeant's like, that's enough. Aha, uh-huh. I thought it was funny. Uh, they have to pair up now and do takedown exercises. Kimberly gets paired up with Maureen, the one who pushed her down, and who calls Kimberly the skinny little doctor, which just seemed weird because like they're all about the same size. It's just it was a weird comparison. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Anyway, uh, they start lunging at each other and they're ramming and wrestling uh, back and forth. They're flipping each other over. The drill sergeant blows his whistle and he intervenes. He's like, you guys got to calm down. Like, this is a little much. He takes them each by an arm and he's like, hey, we're on the same team. Later that night, they're at a campfire, the No More Victims people. The mm-hmm. drill sergeant is talking about how they got to work on their unity. And, you know, Kimberly arrived a few days late to the retreat and, quote, she's been having some problems fitting in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, hey, Maureen, can you say something? And Maureen kind of apologizes for lashing out. She's like, it wasn't fair. I'm coming out of a bad relationship. I'm taking it out on you. Welcome to the group. I welcome you as my sister. And Kimberly thanks her and says, let me tell you from the bottom of my heart, I couldn't care less about your feelings. I hate feelings. And you can lash out at me all you want because it just makes me stronger. You see, I'm not here for sisters. I'm here for power. I thirst for strength, battle skills, and determination. And when I am filled with those qualities, I will flat out destroy those who have hurt me and take back what is mine. I will find selfness when I am standing on the corpses of my enemies. That's... That's extreme. That is extreme. It seems like a lot. This seems like a, a lot of a lot of determination, is what they would say. Um, Marine looks like what the fuck? That's <laughs> a drill sergeant. And Kimberly starts giggling. She's like, I better go get some sleep. Okay. The next day, they are having the toughest challenge of the training. It's the sweat lodge day, and so they split the ladies into two groups. Their job is to go into the sweat lodge, and you have to repeat like your chant. Mm-hmm. And that's their, they have to get, when they go in there, it's like their rebirth as a warrior. All right. Mm-hmm. So Kimberly goes in her tent with her team and she's chanting inside of myself is the warrior inside of myself is the warrior. And they're all chanting cut to later. Everybody's super sweaty. Everybody else is half passed out, but Kimberly is still chanting, which is a little weird. Mm-hmm. And then Kimberly has a hallucination, which is one of my favorite scenes I ever see on the oh, show. Oh, it was great. Weren't they all wearing white? Yes, they're all I... wearing white, like the ladies at the retreat, but they get to sit on a bench. They're not on the ground. So good for them. Right. They put that into their rider. They're like, no, we're not sitting on the ground. No, 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 no. That was in Heather Locklear's rider. All the other ladies just got to, but she, Heather Locklear didn't say a chair. So it happened to be a full bench and they all got to sit on it. The rest are just bench warmers. And then we have a <laughs> 
damn it. <laughs> so they start talking and uh, Kimberly introduces every hallucination and first Jane speaks. So it's Jane, Amanda, Joe, and Sydney are on this bench. Mm-hmm. Allison is not invited apparently to the sweat lodge. So uh, Jane says, you're a fraud, Kimberly. Michael only saw you as a pale imitation of me. And then Kimberly looks, her eyes get bigger. And then she sees Sydney and Joe and Amanda there too. And Jane goes on, look at you. You're a mess. Sweaty, smelly. You really are a lunatic, aren't you? Joe chimes in looking genuinely angry. Like this is some fine acting on her part. She's like, what she is, is a witch. Aren't you, Kim? A lying, betraying, baby stealing witch. I'd already forgotten about the baby stealing. So I'm glad they reminded me. <laughs> it's been a while. Kimberly closes her eyes. She's like, oh, no, no, like, I'm imagining this. And Kindy, Sydney chimes in, a murderer. You're a murderer. How many people have you tried to kill? Michael, Matt, me. I may be nuts, but Kimberly here is pure drooling evil troll. Wouldn't you say so, Kimmy? And Amanda chimes in, you can chant all you want, but it won't work. You know why? I'll tell you, because you're a pathetic, scrawny, stupid little girl from Ohio. Mic drop. <sighs> Kimberly... Kimberly is very upset. Her eyes are open and she has stopped chanting. Amanda's like, you're weak and you're scared and you're unbalanced. You're not even very sexy, which is quite the insult. Uh, and Amanda laughs. She goes, I saw your husband from right under your nose and I didn't even want him. Kimberly's like, he's mine. I'm the warrior. Inside myself is the warrior. Amanda goes, he doesn't want you. Nobody wants you. Sydney goes, nobody even likes you. Amanda says, your life is over, Kimberly. Why don't you just die? You tried once, do it again. Die, Kim, die. And then the others all time and they go, die, Kim, die, Kim. There's an extreme close-up of all their faces as they snarl at her. And Kimberly starts chanting again, but then she screams and she runs out of the tent and then she beats the shit out of Marine. And then Marine flips her over and the drill sergeant runs up like, holy shit. And Marine's like, this bitch is nuts. <laughs> and Kimberly's like, oh, I haven't lost control. I found my mission. And then she stands there licking her chops. Woo! I knew this was coming up because I knew it was toward the end of the season. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, this is batshit. This is real nuts. This kind of came out of nowhere. Like really, like we, I know Kimberly's had some issues, but this whole thing that she's at a retreat, I love that it's called No More Victims and they all have matching sweatshirts. It's adorable. I love this drill sergeant guy. Like I want to know his backstory. Does he, did he start the retreat? Does he just work for them? How much does it cost? Can I get signed up? <laughs> like, oh, whoa, do you? Do you do I, you, I'm finding the warrior with it. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. This is cra- this is a crazy ass storyline, and I and there's more next week because I, mm-hmm. I remember there's certain scenes that haven't happened yet. And Mary, as you as you're finding the warrior within, I just want to confirm something you said off camera. <laughs> you are really beholden to the cats, right? You can't leave them. It's hard to, yeah, they kind of, well, it's sort of a symbiotic they've, relationship. They've tamed the warrior. No, maybe they, they'll help reawaken it when they attack me in my sleep tonight. Maybe. Listen, especially the dream sequence, I have to give it, I have to give it soap opera. I have to, I've got to, I've got to admit it. Oh, thank God. Uh, well, it's you, well done. It's very entertaining. Like, whew. you're not going to believe it. I did not try and make any high art <laughs> arguments out of the Kimberly storyline. <laughs> That's okay. You know what? It's better. You got to choose your battles. Find the Uh warrior within. Now, I would like to talk about being a small town boy. All right. Born and raised in South Detroit. Is that right? That sounds right. South Beloit? 
South Polite, yeah. <laughs> How are you a small town boy from South Detroit? I've never been to South Detroit. Is it? It's Detroit, Mary. No. But no, it's South Detroit. Maybe it's different. Maybe it's like I, I think it's not South Detroit. I think that's the that's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I would like to talk about Jake and Jess and Joe. Good, because I'm not going to. Really? Oh my goodness. Okay. There's too much going on here. <laughs> um Okay, so the quote is, leave it to a small town boy to find small town pleasures, even in the big city. This pisses me off. It pisses me off. Because you know what this is? This is Jess's arrogant, dumb motherfucking face. Jake needs to hurry up and kill this bitch. This is him being like, I'm from a small town, so therefore I am superior to all of you hoes. That's what this is. That It's that mentality. And Mary, you know that mentality. You, I know the, the small town you grew up in, and I knew the big city, in air quotes, that you went to college in. So I know, <laughs> I know how, you that you know how this attitude is. But here's what happens. Jake, right. Jakeless wakes up. Jess is putting his stuff in a box. And Jake says, uh, uh, what's all this? He's such a, they, they wrote Jake as such a dumb ogre. Yes. This week, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he didn't Jess, have much to do this week either. No, he's got to kill his brother. So Jess says he's going back up north. Good. Okay. Yep. And Jake talks him out of it and says, "Can you at least watch the bar tonight?" And Jess says, "Okay." And then Jake says, "Good, you're staying. Let's unpack this box. <laughs> this one box." Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Joe comes into Shooters, and Jess invites her to dinner alone, just the two of them, because remember they had that moment after Jake correctly. Uh, called Jess out on having a stolen credit card. Do you think he still has the credit card? I think of, he does. Of course he does. That's how he played for, paid for mini golf. Oh, yeah. He doesn't have that kind of cash lying around. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Now, I mean, he could just take the money from the bar, but whatever. Uh, Maybe he's also doing that. We don't really know. Yeah, so they're mini golfing, and Joe is shocked. She didn't know things like this still existed in L.A. First of all, whore. What? She's from New York. You didn't they know. don't have the land for mini golf. They put it up on like the fifteenth story, so you can get your mini golf and then go get your Mrs. Molly's cookies. <laughs> There's never a bad time <laughs> for Mrs. Molly's cookies. Listen, listen, this oh oh that just made me so mad. I didn't know they still had things like this still existed in the city. What? When did you think they went away, Joe? Joe Beth Reynolds, if that is your real name. I have not forgotten that we can't be sure of that. <laughs> One of the first lines she had on Melrose Place was how, huh, in New York, we, li- we live up. You guys here, you just live a- live wide. It's so weird. I haven't seen an elevator in ages. Why the fuck are you looking for elevators? Who's walking around a new city saying, I wish there was an elevator around? Joe Beth Reynolds, that's who. She's wandering around the streets of LA saying, I wish I could find an elevator in a mini golf course. Ma'am. Go back to San Francisco, New York, where you belong. I forgot how mad you got about that elevator thing. It pissed me off. <laughs> it really bothered you. As does this small town nonsense. Because Jess replies, you know, Joe says, I can't believe this still exists in the city, which, fuck you, Joe Beth Reynolds. And <laughs> Jess has to bring his small town superiority and say, leave it to a small town boy to find small town pleasures, even in the big city. Girl, small town pleasures? What the fuck are you talking about? I... I've lived for six years in a small town. You know what I've endured, Mary. 
I know that a small town pleasure is when the one fucking drive through in town stays open till midnight. That's a small God. town pleasure. Do I ever miss that? Ooh. Oh, they don't have it till midnight anymore? They don't, this, nobody wants to work. <laughs> you know why? Because they're all working in the growth industry of blackmail. You know, I hope they are. They're probably better off. They, 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 someone got in front of us about the people that burned down that building on Halloween. <laughs> they're better off and my cholesterol is better off now that they aren't open till midnight. <laughs> so what strikes me as true to life, therefore high art for the generations, is that small town mentality that people in small towns, like we're just simpler, we're better. We don't need all this highfalutin stuff like elevators and escalators. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Both of these two motherfuckers. Jake should Jake should push them both off a fucking construction site. Anyway, solve a lot of problems. Joe says you're so different than Jake. It's hard to believe your brothers. Man, they're half brothers. We've covered this. (laughs) There was a whole episode about half brother. I treated him like he was my full brother, even though he's only my half brother. (laughs) And then Jess said, and this was really hard. This was almost my other high art point from this storyline. Just said, because Joe said, you're so different than Jake. It's hard to believe your brothers. And just said, I guess I just feel too much. I'm going to finish the storyline, but I'm going to come back to that and tell you about Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and John Edwards. But just says, I guess I just feel too much. Uh, Anyway, later, Joe comes to kind of break it off with Jess. And Jess says, can I kiss you just once? Okay, so they went on their date, their mini golf date. Joe comes to Shooters to talk to Jess alone to break it off, you know, because she feels bad. And Jess says, can I kiss you just once? The correct answer, if you're trying to end a a budding romantic relationship, is no, you cannot. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. No, ma'am. No, wham, bam. Anyway, he kisses her, (laughs) pushes her against a brick wall, and they have sex in the alley. Right there. the dumpster. Right by the dumpster, where Jake got jumped by the mob. Run by the fucking JCPenney bow tie guy, Chris Marchette. <laughs> this is all bullshit. Right by the hamster dumpster. Right by the hamster dumpster, Mary. Okay, I want to come back to it. I guess I just feel too much. Yeah, please do. Please tell so me more. Back in 2008, there was a presidential campaign happening. This 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 happened after the the Democratic primaries had started. So it was definitely 2008. The election was narrowing down. Remember that year we had like 12 Democrats running, even though we all knew it was going to be Hillary Clinton. There were so many. So many Democrats, right? Like Dennis Kucinich, I'm sorry, shut the fuck up. You're from Ohio. And they cornered him on the debate stage and said, is it true you say you claim to have seen a UFO in Seattle? And he had to say, well, it was unidentified. He's just a skinny little bitch from Ohio, and he's not even sexy. He's a fucking elf is what he is. Anyway, so it narrowed down. It was Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and John Edwards were the three people still left. Okay, mm-hmm. And the debate question, what they were at, at this was when they were at a roundtable, and the debate question was, what's what would you say is your biggest weakness as a candidate? Okay, <laughs> And Barack Obama had the dumb fucking luck of going first. This dipshit. <laughs> This is how you knew he didn't he wasn't a regular politician because he answered the question as asked. And he said, oh. well, you know, listen, I'm a little disorganized. My staff knows not to give me a paper until the moment before I need it, because otherwise it'll get lost. Oh, Relatable. A fair answer. Not to me, because I keep everything. But yes, you do. <laughs> everybody else. Relatable. <laughs> and then John Edwards, or Hillary Clinton's answer was, I think I try too hard. 
Oh, and John Edwards' answer was, I think I care too much. Oh, no. I mean, so just like Jess, I think I just feel too much. I'm sorry. When you're in a fucking interview and they say, what's your weakness? And you come up with like a weakness that is really a strength. First of all, nobody's buying it. Nobody's buying it. Becky, mm-hmm. we can see that you don't iron your shirt. Why don't you just say that? Just say that. That's I don't iron. Weakness. I don't iron. <laughs> I listen, Jess. Joe pissing me off this week with this. Oh, you know, in a small town boy or big city. Fuck you. Well, I can't find an elevator. Oh, that I'm. I'd forgotten. I had forgotten that until Jess reminded me about Joe's fucking attitude about in New York we live up into the sky. In LA you just live spread out. Can't find an elevator to save my life. Why are you looking for an elevator? Why? Who, well, what? she did get pushed down the stairs that one time, so maybe she's kind of sensitive. Feeling. <laughs> When's the Maybe la- she just feels too much about stairs. When's the last time you've seen a good elevator, Mary? Um, the one in the library, they refurbished. It looks yeah, really nice. That's right. They do have one in the library because of ADA. It looks, it's nice too. They redid it in the last year or so. They had it redone. It, it rides smoother now. I, okay. I imagine we're going to take a break and we're going to talk a whole lot about Amanda, Allison, Billy, and Brooke. Oh boy. Wait, I didn't counter your argument at all. Oh, okay. I, I don't think there is a counter. I I will concede your point. However, I will say that big city people do that just as much in reverse. Oh, like, this. Where they go, oh, like, you know, in in New York, we have all these museums. And, oh, look at your cute little historical society with the one the train model of a train. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that Tr- cute? Truth be oh, told. Oh, look at your... Look at your courthouse full of taxidermized animals. <laughs> How quick. I've been to the Metropolitan Museum of Science, you know, where they have a whale hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> They're really enjoying this muskrat display. <laughs> okay. I think it goes both ways, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Realty. I took uh, my son, we went to the dentist and then the mall this weekend. And we were sitting there on this very nice couch on the mall overlooking the the store, the level below us. He's eating some good Auntie Anne's pretzels because in, in, in Milwaukee, we have the real pretzel stores, not the pretzel faker. Oh, yeah. That used to make you very upset. Oh, it still does make me very upset. Much like people saying, I can't find an elevator to save my life. <laughs> and I, I literally said to him, like, see, Logan, this is the type of things you get to do in the city. Because <laughs> you can't you just, just sit on a couch you and eat a, eat a pretzel. Listen, when we lived out there, he had to drive 90 fucking minutes and get second rate pretzels. Second rate pretzels, Mary. What chain was it? I don't even remember. Pretzel maker. Oh, yeah, it's not as good. You're right. Not as good. No. I mean, if you really wanted to not, you could just make pretzels at home. I can. And, and sit on your own couch. Think which of the is, money, the savings. Which is what I would have to do if I lived in a small town. But I don't. <laughs> Okay, I can't see you. Just remember that. So if like if you need to jump in, jump in verbally. Okay. This week's sponsor of the Melrose Place cast is bringing you an enhanced value proposition by exploiting personal tragedies. Ooh. A new approach to advertising? Why, it can only be ABC, Allison Billy Campaigns. Oh, boy. (laughs) This week, we heard all about Mrs. Molly's cookies and the death-defining 15-story leap to the fat-free 90s princess snack. 
Of course, that little kid Tyler wasn't appreciating the pitch very much. But maybe he'd be open to hearing about some of these other great product pitches brought to you by ABC, Allison Billy Campaigns. Oh my God, I can't wait to hear more about this. I'm glad to hear you say that because for the record, Barry, I do see, I will say, I do see spinoff potential in this Allison Billy Campaigns bit if we ever need to, to kind of stretch the show out a little more. Oh, well, you know, I, you know what? It. Why not? The Allison Billy Campaigns cast, it's there if you're ever interested. I'll just leave that on the shelf right there. Fair enough. Recently, Allison Billy Campaigns were working, Barry, with the Winnebago Kayak Corporation, you know, to cool. sell to sell kayaks to the people. Yeah, people yeah. love kayaks. Trying to bring some of those small town pleasures, even in the big cities. <laughs> oh, those small town pleasures. Now, you know how a kayak works, don't you, Mary? It goes in the water, right? Yeah, yeah. And you got you got a little kayak wheel or the little paddle, paddle boat, you know, yeah. the, the oar. Kicking your feet around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, picture it. Our heroine, the type of woman, Mary, who orders fat free desserts and takes business meetings on her mobile phone after sending computer mail. Oh, guys, what a modern woman. This 90s princess is pacing, frantically looking for a kayak like it's the most important mission of her life. Oh my God. She's wearing a key lime pie colored mini skirt and a tight business top, but she's got to move. <laughs> but she, right. can't, she can't find one. There's no kayaks. Not a single kayak to be found in the big city. Suddenly the camera pans out. Turns out she wasn't on a city street. She was on a boat and the hull lifts up to the sky and then breaks in two as our commercial star falls in ping pongs down the boat of the ti- of the Titanic, plunging into the cool waters of the Atlantic Ocean as the camera continues to pull back, revealing the words, Winnebago kayaks, don't dive in without one. Boy, that water sounds so cold and refreshing. For a minute, for a minute. <laughs> Listen, I'd buy that campaign, Mary, wouldn't you? Boy, it makes me want to run out and get a kayak right now. A safety kayak for sure. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's another one. This is one of Billy's clients, actually. Juniper's Jumping Pillows. Oh, this sounds like fun. Do you know what a jumping pillow is, Mary? No. Well, it's often been relegated to summer camps, and that's it. And it's just a big inflatable rubber thing that's usually surrounded by sand and it just pumps air in it. So it's like a bounce pit, but it's outside. Oh, okay. And it's like it, it's like 30 feet wide, 10 feet across, maybe 20 feet across. Like it's just a big jumping pit. Big jumper, okay. Like a big balloon on the ground. Okay, I can picture that. Like a big whoopee cushion. Like a big whoopee cushion, except without the gross sounds. Yeah, we don't need that. Well, Juniper's Jumping Pillows, they want to move beyond the summer camp market, Mary. They think their product has more uses than just that. Well, like what? Well, they're looking to expand their market footprint. And wow, did Alice and Billy campaigns come through for a campaign with them? Oh, boy. I said that terribly. Wow, did Alice and Billy campaigns come through with a campaign for them? I can see why you got that jumble up. That was a hard one. (laughs) Picture it, Mary. The camera zooms in. It's a tight shot of a child, roughly the age of 11. Okay, roughly 11. Yeah, you know how kids love bouncy things, right? I love bouncy things, so sure. The sun is bright on his face, which is just a little dirty from playing outside. Yeah. This was before COVID, before cell phones, of course. Well, kids used to go outside then, yeah. 
Yeah, this is the type of kid who would play outside for like two hours and then bring his dirt-covered hands in to play on his Super Nintendo for two more hours. What game is he playing? Uh, definitely um, Super Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. Great choice. Great choice. I maybe, maybe a little Yoshi. Oh, Yoshi. He's so cute. He runs around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, this 90s prince has the whole world in front of him. And as the camera pulls in ever tighter to his face, tighter and tighter, we see over seconds the careless look. Mary, it drifts away and is replaced by confusion. Oh, no. Then fright. Then outright terror. As we pull back, we see the word Hindenburg on the side of a wicker basket carry this kid with many adults as the balloon lifting them upwards is aflame and crashing towards the ground. Oh, the humanity. Oh, the humanity. As the camera scans back on the wreckage, we see the words, Juniper's jumping pillows. We could have bounced you. God, they really could have saved the day during that terrible dirigible accident. They could have. You know, why don't, here's the real question. Why don't we have the entire earth covered with these jumping pillows, really? I've said that many times and I've been laughed at. You said earlier that you don't know what a jumping pillow is. <laughs> I just, it, I didn't describe them the same way. Oh, but got the it. the sentiment was the same. You know, we could at least put these jumping pillows all over the earth on all of the major dirigible routes. I think along all the major dirigible routes end by any building tall enough to have an elevator. Yes, which is all of New York City. Yeah, but none of Los Angeles. None of Los Angeles. They live spread out. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Mary, this last campaign, this is the one that uh, my husband said, whatever you do, don't say that. And was terribly offended. It sounds like he just needs to get with the 90s, man. Yeah, well, okay. So Mary, when I was a kid, our school, our suburban school in the mean streets, mm-hmm. we had something called the Survive Alive House. Did you have this? No, we didn't have houses. They just all burned down. <laughs> That's funny that you say that because it was the place where we learned to live through a house fire. This is true. So it was at like at the rec center and they had a mock house inside <laughs> and they would bring all the school children and you would live through a fake fire, smoke machines, blaring lights flashing you know red lights it sounds very immersive very immersive and you had to escape the house how did you do did you do well well i did well i mean they didn't literally kill any of the children so yeah we all did well but we all went home some of you would have you know what i mean like there's always a couple in the class who don't follow directions let me tell you every single kid went home and annoyed their parents and said we need a plan we need to agree upon plan many of us ever cooperated with that ever because mine didn't but listen listen i had a documented plan it was a map of the house which was a rectangle and all the different essentially just a dotted line outside all of the doors and windows that led to the driveway i i had to map it out you know that map's gonna come in handy in a crisis situation it's wild because college campuses they have to have one in every single dorm room at least in our state on the door, yeah. Yeah, as though in the event of a fire, you're going to stop and say, hold on, let me orient myself to this map. Wait, roommates, we got to stop. We got to check the map on the door. No, what, now, what you would have said if you were at the Survive Alive house is we got to stop, drop, roll, and then check the map. But how, the map's way up on the door. Well, I, I don't know what to tell you. They didn't think it through. They should well, put the map down by the bottom of the door. 
Now, one of the things featured at the Survive the Live House, Mary, oh, this was a treat. If you get if you if you won the kid lottery, you got to be the one to use the fire ladder out the window. Holy shit. Yeah. So it's this metal ladder that like you hook it on the windowsill and you throw it out, and then you had to climb down. And yeah, one scary. kid in every class got to do it, Mary. Was it the same kid who passed the presidential fitness test? That fucking Jared. Yes. Classic Jared. Classic Jared. Well, that ladder was actually made by Frank Lampone's fire ladders. And, oh. Al- and Allison Billy's campaigns recently pitched him as well. Oh, boy. But it wasn't school children. It was adults he was trying to sell to because school children are broke ass bitches. They got no money, and if they do, they're spending it all on pogs and milkshakes. That's, uh, as I can tell you, that's no longer correct, Mary. They don't like milkshakes anymore? The pogs. They didn't <laughs> pogs. Pogs are coming back. Just wait. <laughs> anyway. Everything it, else comes back. It was adults he was trying to sell to. So this is what we've got. All right. We've got a professional woman. You know, like one of the Parker girls, just doing the best she can Trying so hard to do it so badly. <laughs> Between working a full-time job, a commute, being a mother, caring for her own mother, does she ever get time to go to the gym? No. No, but she still has the membership, so she can say I belong to a gym. That's the important thing. Yes, but she doesn't go. No, that's why she, unlike Joe Beth Reynolds, she doesn't take the elevator when she gets to work. She takes the stairs. Oh. It's a little bit of a workout. Little extra steps in for the day. Yeah. So we see her climbing the stairs, and at the beginning, she's all put together. She's perfect. And then she gets climbs higher and higher. You start to wonder, my God, how many stairs? There's so many stairs, Mary, but it keeps the old badonka donk donk popping. You, you know the, what I mean. You gotta keep it popping, ladies and gentlemen. We see her out of breath. She's broken a sweat after coming to work just a little late on this random Tuesday. But she bursts into her office suite, hits the door open right from the stairwell, right? She's making a scene, but trying to get to her desk within the 38 minutes of her posted start time at 8 a.m. You know what that's like. I would never understand that. You know the feeling. She's rushing. She's scurrying over to her desk. But then the camera cuts to her boss coming from the other side of the office suite. Oh, no, not the boss. Back and forth. Back and forth. Lady, Parker girl, boss, lady, boss, right? They're both coming from opposite directions. Mary, is this 90s queen going to make it to her desk before her 90s boss with his flip phone and extendable antenna make it to her desk and see that she's not there? Oh my God, is he wearing acid wash jeans too? Just as they're both getting closer, she rounds the corner right before her desk. And bam, the entire office shakes as three stories down. A plane crashed into the World Trade Center. Oh my God. (laughs) As the camera pans out with smoke billowing out of the windows, the camera scans back, observing the Twin Towers to reveal the text. Frank Lampone's fire ladders. Just climb down. Oh my God. In Allison's defense, she's never heard about 9 11. Allison Billy campaign. She was in rehab during that time. <laughs> oh, wait, we're not supposed to tell the clients. She's at an AA meeting. <laughs> Allison Billy campaigns this week's sponsor, providing enhanced value proposition by exploiting personal tragedy. Oh, my goodness. 
wow, I can't wait to rush out and get one of those fire ladders. Do you remember when they sold parachutes to office buildings? It was so sad. It was so dark. It was so dark. Oh also, God. here's the thing about like you had to be pretty high up for the parachutes to work. But so at a certain point, like you'd be too low, but yeah. still too high to take the stairs. Like, what do you do on the 43rd floor? You know what? You go back to small town America. You're close to the ground in the small town that rhymes. <laughs> Let me tell you, I was, a small town. I was living in a small town after 9-11, the tallest building in the tri-county area. That's how you know you're from a small town, when you talk about the counties, right? Yes, the tri-county, that's the what tri, it was. The tri-county area, the tallest building was 10 stories. It was a dorm. Wow. Yep. And for months, uh, the, the smallest little airplane going by, you would panic because you didn't think you were safe in small towns either. But you know what you could do from that 43rd floor is listen to Alice and Billy campaigns and get you a Frank Lampone fire ladder and just climb down. Just climb down. Wow. Well, I look forward to the, the listeners uh, taking advantage of that series of offers. No, 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 no. They can hire Alice and Billy campaigns. Oh, I'm and they, sorry. And they will exploit your personal tragedies of anyone to enhance the value proposition of your product. What a what a wonderful concept! <laughs> wow, I feel like I have a lot to think about <laughs> after listening to that ad. Really makes you think, don't it? And we are back for the second half of season three, episode twenty-six of the Melrose Place cast. We are discussing Melrose Impossible. Uh, I'm Tej, and I think this half is going to be really tough for me. <laughs> it's going to be tough for a lot of people. Be a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of hard hitting soap opera action going on here. You, you know who this is going to be tough for right now? Who? Our listeners who don't know who you are because you didn't introduce yourself. Oh, I'm still Mary. I'm still here. <laughs> I didn't leave yet. <laughs> I thought about going to drive 90 miles to go get one of those pretzels that aren't as good, but I stayed. <laughs> I stuck it out. Just for this important podcast work. (laughs) Mary, you're up next. The floor is yours. Ladies and gentlemen, there is never a wrong time to jump for a Mrs. Molly's cookie. (laughs) Buckle up. Game on. I have been waiting for this. Oh my God. It was just as sweet as I remembered. Oh, all right. Allison is dictating to Brooke. There is a reinvigoration coming for the company. And there's a new pitch for Mrs. Molly's cookies next week. And she's like, hey, Brooke, can you get that out to the board members? And also, oh, yeah, the CEO is coming in for the presentation in two days. I was confused then why she said the thing was next week. But whatever. I'm quibbling. over. Let's focus, Mary. So she needs Brooke to tell Billy to come in and get that ready. Brooke walks out and she's got scheming face, which is my new favorite face. And she's like, hey, Amanda, I've got something. We're doing the Mrs. Molly's thing. And her dad knew Tyler's dad. And Mm -hmm. quote, there's a story there. But just then Billy walks up in his acid wash jeans and the gals have to break it up. And so after Brooke walks away, Amanda goes really dramatically, see, I'm being nice to her because she's pretending she doesn't like her whenever Billy's around. Anyway. Allison, Billy, and Brooke are having their little strategy meeting about Mrs. Molly's cookies. And Amanda comes in and Allison's like, oh, no, no, you don't need to be here. 
Amanda's all smiling. She's like, oh, but you know, I really know the client and I want to help. And Billy's like, we, we can use all the help we can get. So like, Allison's like, fine, you can stay, but I'm running the meeting, which yeah. is very mature. That's, and that's a weird flex. Who wants to run the meeting? No nobody, one. nobody wants to be at the goddamn meeting. No, just zoom it in and then put yourself on mute. No, and nobody like, wants that either, Mary. <laughs> that's a fair point. Allison's like, our approach should be conservative, but with more energy. A kid gets home from school and he finds the cookies in the kitchen. It takes you back to a simpler time, like, quote, Tom Sawyer, neighbors, and warmth. Amanda interjects. She's like, you know, the company's founder's son has taken over recently. Maybe we should appeal to his youthful new energy and their new line of fat-free cookies. Because remember, that was a big thing in the 90s. Fat-free cookies, the Snackwells. Hey, cookie man. That's what we're going for here. Anyway, what if... Fat-free cookies were such a breakthrough. It was like, yes, this is what we needed. Chemical cookies. Yeah, there's no fat in them, so it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's, it, I mean, it may as well be cauliflower. <laughs> they probably make those now, I bet. Probably that health food store where you got that tofurkey. You know what? I should go check because it's still there. And, you know, the, 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 the challenge is, Mary, here in the city, there's so many health huts to choose from. <laughs> That's terrifying. Amanda makes a pitch. She's like, hey, what if there's like a young, vibrant female executive? She's at work. She works in a high rise. She opens a drawer and her Mrs. Molly's fat-free cookies bag is empty. But she looks out the window and she sees a Mrs. Pause, pause, What the fuck is that bitch doing keeping an empty cookie bag in her desk then? Like when she took the last cookie. No. Then they would get rid of the bag too. No corporate intrigue. Someone snuck in and took her last cookie when she wasn't in her office. So someone That's sneaking, a whole other soap opera. Someone sneaking into Madam President's office, opening the drawer, finding the cookie, opening the bag, reaching in, taking the cookie, fingerprints everywhere. If this Eat- happened at D&D, who do you think stole the cookies? I think it was Billy. You think it was Billy? I, you, you know who I think has an insatiable hunger for snacks? Hmm. Chaz. I think Chaz came back. He still, oh, he still thinks it's Amanda's office. He still thinks it's Amanda's office. Yeah. Oh, so he stole the cookies. And he thinks, you know, stepdaddy can uh, just let himself in. Stepdaddy. Oh, God. Anyway, I'm mad that there's an empty bag of cookies. You don't, you don't, you don't keep the, you don't keep the bag. When the cookies are gone, get rid of the bag. I agree with you, but that's not what happened here. But... For just this reason. Maybe, the, maybe people, humans in the 90s hadn't realized this yet. Maybe they kept the bag there as a reminder to themselves to order new ones, order, go all the way to the store and get new ones. But apparently you don't have to, because this lady looks out the window and sees a Mrs. Molly's delivery truck 15 floors below, and she's just desperate for a cookie. So she jumps out the window and the announcer says, there's no wrong time to dive into Mrs. Molly's factory cookies. So you don't even have to go to the store. You can just jump out a window because, you know, those cookie delivery trucks, they're everywhere. But you can't walk a block in this town without walking into a cookie delivery truck. You know, I think down here in the cities, Mary, uh, it's like the the Schwan Man, but for cookies. <laughs> does he still exist? I think he does. I yes, I, I so. I'm not kidding. I've seen him here in Milwaukee. Oh, he's pulling up into your area frequently. I bet. <laughs> boy, oh boy. Uh, anyway, Amanda does not like, or Allison does not like Amanda's idea. She's like, no, not in a million years. They're going with her idea. Uh, so she sends Billy and Amanda to go work on her idea. Amanda smiles. She's like, can't blame a girl for trying. And they leave. Brooke stays behind. She's like, you know, I don't have much experience, but maybe we should try Amanda's idea. She says, I don't like Amanda any better than you do. 
but you're trying to take D&D in a new direction. And just because the idea was Amanda's doesn't make it a bad one. I just think there are times to hedge your bets and there are times to break new territory. And she's got that super cute little brook face with her smile and she looks so innocent. And Allison's like, yeah, I know. I'm usually the one with the wild new ideas, but this doesn't feel right. And Brooke's like, well, maybe it's just because you're president now. Don't let it inhibit you. Heck, all Mrs. Molly can do is say no. Why don't they talk about it at Shooters tonight? All right, so they're going to go to Shooters. We'll talk mm-hmm, about that later. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we come to the big presentation with Tyler Hirsch, who looks like he's about 14 years old, mm-hmm. but he's an adult man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's there, and he's like, oh, you all can call me Tyler. There's no need to be this formal. I'm just a little cookie maker. This <laughs> is terrible. <laughs> no one talks like this. He's, anyway. he's precious. He's precious. I would, I would date him. I would date him. Yeah. And uh, that's all I have to say. They're going to stop there. All right. So anyway, he's just a cute little cookie maker. Uh, Amanda starts sucking up and she's like, oh, no, no, you're the best specialty baker in the business. And she introduces herself and he's like, oh, I've heard great things from my team about you. And she's like, oh, well, the torch has been passed to Allison. Quote, I'm just observing. Mm -hmm. The table is being set, Teach. The table is being set and it is a glorious meal we are about to Oh, my gosh. It was so painful. Knowing what was coming made it so much worse. Oh, it's wonderful. Allison makes a face because she doesn't like that Amanda is talking. And then she launches into the pitch. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we've come up with a campaign that you're going to find entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. And she basically just repeats exactly what Amanda said. She says, picture a female executive, young, stressed from her day in a big city high rise. She opens the drawer of her desk looking for the one thing that can help her through the day from hell. She picks up a bag of Mrs. Molly's factory sandwich cookies. But... It's empty. And it should be said, Allison is really acting this out. Like she's really selling it and looking shocked and like, oh no, the cookie egg is empty. And she's like, she can't believe it. She starts pacing in a rage, <laughs> which seemed very specific to Allison, how she would react. And then she's like, but she looks out this window and she spots a Mrs. Molly's delivery truck 15 floors below. Now she's really, really selling this. She's like wide-eyed. She's pacing when she talks about pacing. Uh, we cut to Amanda, who is just very still and listening. And then we cut to Tyler, who's making kind of a face. It just, it's not really a distinct face yet, but he's making a face. Um, she goes, Allison goes on. She goes, she thinks for a moment, then throws up in the window and leaps into the air, diving for the truck below. And the announcer intones as she flies toward the truck like Superman, there is never a wrong time to jump for a Mrs. Molly's cookie. Ooh. And she smiles. She is so proud of herself because she is a big ass bitch. She's president of D&D. She's bringing home this Mrs. Molly's account to this cute little cookie maker. We cut to Tyler, whose jaw has dropped. Uh, everyone looks at him and he's silent. And Allison's like, oh, is there something wrong? Little Tyler, the cute cookie man, stands up. He is on the verge of tears. He says, how could you? Allison looks confused. He goes, God, what kind of woman are you? My mother took her life by jumping from a 15-story window. And you poke fun at that? You make a joke? Allison is aghast. She goes, oh, no, 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 I didn't. He cuts her off and he's like, you are beyond disgusting, young lady. You are inhuman. And he stomps out of the meeting room. Can we get back to, who who is this fucking eight-year-old bitch to call Allison young lady? (laughs) Did did that not jump out to you? Like, what are you talking about? That's a good point. Uh, Allison follows him, begging already, like, oh, God. Uh, He turns around and says, don't say another word. And Amanda gets up and she tells Allison, she's so sorry. Quote, I had no idea. This is terrible. 
Allison glares and says, you better pray you had no idea. You better pray you had nothing to do with this, which clearly she did because she made the whole pitch. Allison starts out following Tyler, the cookie man. Billy gets up and follows in his acid wash jeans he wore to a pitch meeting with a client. Get over the fucking jeans. Let's talk about there's no belt on his waist. Well, Bruce... Uh, Amanda and Brooke are the last two in the room and Amanda she looks she looks shocked but she looks at Brooke and Brooke looks back with a confusion of like a mix of confusion and wonder on her face and Amanda smiles like the Cheshire cat and Brooke smiles back oh it's it was every bit as wonderful as I remembered it being um the whole thing is just it's in it, the whole thing is insane. The fact that Amanda got away with getting Allison to do this, it's like such minimal effort. The whole thing with Brooke and how she is, they're all just playing Allison like a fiddle, and she's too pig headed and stubborn and self absorbed to be figuring any of this out. Like, at this point, how many times have she and Amanda like screwed each other over, and yet she still takes advice from Amanda? Which is like, I know they didn't have Google in the 90s, but I feel like she could have just said, Hey, what's going on with Mrs. Melody's cookies? And someone could have handed her this newspaper that said the lady jumped out of the window. Like, oh my God. Listen, in universe, in universe, <laughs> we know this, <laughs> that in the newspaper that people read, Grayson Carter comes back from the dead and models read about it. <laughs> so you have to presume, right? Like, the CEO of this big company committing suicide, people would notice that. You and think? that if the new CEO is objectively 12, that let's say 24, since I'm on record saying I would date him, uh, then perhaps you, that might raise some questions. But what is absolutely unbelievable to me, and I hope this gets addressed next week, there's no possible way that either Billy or Allison don't know that Amanda did this intentionally. I don't think they I don't think they can pin it back to Brooke, right? I think Brooke's hands are clean right now because yeah. they're, they're successfully kind of convincing people that they're not working together. But there's no way that Amanda just happened to pitch the idea of the exact number of stories. It's so specific. <laughs> and for her to have held on to that detail also feels weird. I mean, Al- Allison was like in the newspaper. Yeah, well, no, 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 because well, Brooke told her what happened, it told Amanda, but then Allison, mm-hmm. like, not only did she take the general concept from Amanda, that's fine, but she was like, I got to make sure it's 15, so I can't say 14. Not 16. Oh, no. That's 15. too many. 15. 15 is the number. Cookie ah. chop. Well. What a treat. What a treat. What a feast for the senses. <laughs> much, much like a Mrs. Molly's fat-free cookie for a 90s princess warrior. I'm finding the warrior within... Through fat-free mm-hmm. cookies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, by the way, uh, that that was great. And again, uh, I don't think our listeners know this. For my birthday, you recently purchased for me two Melrose Place t-shirts. One that said "No More Victims" in the font, <laughs> which I enjoy, and the other one that is blue. And it's a it the the font is like those t-shirts that are like Julie and Jessica and Juliet and blah, you know, like. Yes. It's that type of thing. But it says there's never a wrong time to jump for Mrs. Molly's cookies. I forgot. So I, got- I, I love them both. Oh, you got one too. I didn't know. I, did. I got an extra one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's great. I did not realize they both appeared on the same episode. This was no. a pivotal moment in, yes. in American history. <laughs> yes. I would, I would say, right? Like this is, this is something worth remembering. 
So these are two big Melrose things that I remembered from when we watched the first three seasons a number of years ago now. That was quite some uh-huh. time ago. And these are two of the things I remembered. Mm-hmm. I love that they're in the same little cluster. It's great. Yeah. Well, I would like to talk about, uh, you know, I'm just a kid from the suburbs, Mary. Oh, boy. Listen, <laughs> listen, as you know, I am just a kid from the suburbs. And, you very much are. And I, I may have mentioned that a time or two. Um, even in my other podcast, I've ranted about that. <laughs> but I've addressed already in the first half just the audacity, the arrogance of small town people being like, we have values here. You know, that that that's typified by Sarah Palin and the, the real America quotes. Do you remember that from that mm-hmm. campaign? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I realize I'm talking a lot about one particular election. You don't ever do that. So <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so there's that. You have addressed the problems with people from the city looking down on small town people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you've not made an argument for why the people in the city are wrong to do that. Just that they do it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but I'm here, listen, like a middle child to come in and be like, look, can't we all just all be right and just agree that like you're half wrong and you're half wrong and come over to my way of thinking, which is the suburbs where everything, everything comes together well. You have the conveniences of a city without all of the downsides. And I am not, when I talk about the downsides of the cities, I am not going to fall into the racist traps of talking about like all the all the racist tropes that people say with, with cities. What I'm talking about, the problems with the city. One thing in particular, fucking goddamn traffic and people that do not know how to pick a goddamn lane and stay in it. It pisses me straight off. Here in suburbia, Mary, our highways, they have five lanes on each side. That's it's so wondrous. Many lanes. That's it's horrible. But you know, we've got one row of them just for um uh unhoused housing now, you know, with the tents and all of that. So um it's dark. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's it's a time. But th- there's space. You know, we in the suburbs, we go up and out. Joe would be so happy. You you could get elevators and still have to go a distance to get somewhere. Is it the best for the environment? No, not at all. Is anything walkable? Absolutely not. Except no. for the except for the walking trails, which conveniently have no amenities on them, right? Like you, you can't have to drive to them. <laughs> yeah. You walk on the trail and then you get in your car and go get you a ice cream cone. That is a thing in the suburbs. It is. Well, it, uh, you, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> anyway, this is uh, this is um, what happened. Okay, so Billy Brooke and Allison are at shooters, and Allison tries to hook Billy or Brooke and Jake up. Oh, I almost said that Billy and Jacob. That was Freudian. <laughs> I let's let's hook Billy and Jacob. <laughs> Why not? Listen, if they did a reboot, now they're both in their sixties. It's finally time to come out. I'd still watch it. Yeah, I would. Okay. Um, I think that's pretty good. Allison leaves, and Brooke says pretty plainly, uh, tell me if this is too forward. I want to go home with you right now, Billy. I want you to unbutton my blouse and lift up my skirt. <laughs> she's direct. And Billy is worried about her station in life because she's a filthy rich woman. And he said, quote, I don't have a trust fund. I don't play polo. I'm just a kid from the suburbs. He did have those student loans, too. He did have those student loans, two whole thousand dollars in student loans. So many student loans that Allison had to put it on her credit card. Uh, God, she kept doing that for him too. It was so stupid. 
Anyway, Melrose Place this week, High Art for the Generation, they are doing current, contemporary, and by that I mean 2022, 2023 when this airs, political geographic isolation, right? The way like we can now tell how people vote based on what type of community they live in. Not entirely, there's exceptions. Your small town is blue, right? But but generally, like when we look at the maps, we can see like where the cities are based on which what's blue. And they're 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 giving us some class warfare straight out of the '90s, right? With Bill Clinton and Al Gore and the yeah. and Ronald Reagan and the welfare queens, which was a fucking bullshit racist trope on its own. Yeah. Um, but that's my high hour for the generations. I'm just a kid from the suburbs because Billy, yes, you are Billy, and that's that's good. That's a good thing. I some might say it's better than the alternatives. I would say it's better than the alternatives. You get Wi-Fi in parks unsecured but but unsecured so you got to be careful you never you never know who's piping into to to hack into your screens those mean streets um god i'm just i think i'm just tired so i'm just gonna let you have this because there's this is such a hard part of the season and i feel like you're really having to do a lot i don't have to work very hard right now (laughs) just gonna i have to let you have your suburbs (laughs) i have to say i don't i can't believe it's accidental that the small town kid finding small town pleasures in the big city and i'm just a kid from the suburbs were two quotes on the same episode i have to think they did that intentionally but then a writer who's from the suburbs but but then i remember two episodes ago michael mancini had a check for a hundred thousand dollars from the insurance company that was dated in january (laughs) which made me remember all the stories we read about like they were just filming things wildly out of order and putting them back together. That's why Jane's business is in jeopardy. It's fine. It has no money. It's wealthy. Oh, no. Like it's yeah. because they're just filming it and then piecing it together later. It's bedlam. It's much like a soap opera. Which yeah, again, Mary, you can do better. And you know what? Do better. Do better. Do better. All right, I'll try it. All right, this is my last one. This is a little. What's not a little storyline, but I, it was this particular scene that brought me great joy. And I call this one. The mozzarella and the pasta and the primavera and the linguine and all the pasta. Boom, boom, boom. What? Oh, I, I can't believe you didn't notice this wonderful moment. Okay. Listen, yeah. now I did watch this nine days ago. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> it was more recent for me. <laughs> uh, okay. So, uh, Michael and Amanda. I had forgotten about that. I don't know if you had. Uh, Michael is calling Amanda from the hospital. He leaves her messages. He's like, I know you're avoiding me, but I can't accept losing you. And I love you. And she's like, you're going to have to accept it because that's the way it is. And she hangs up on him. <laughs> Later, uh, and then I guess to work and Brooke's like, hey, you had 12 messages waiting from a Dr. Michael Mancini this morning. <laughs> and I was like, he's driving me nuts. If he calls again, transfer him to security. Mm-hmm. Later, Michael is calling Amanda at home and he's getting her machine. He's like, pick up. I know you're there. And Amanda's sitting there not picking up her phone. He's like, I cared about you. I gave up everything. I saved your damn life. Stop playing with me and pick up the phone. And he's like, I can't put up with this. I won't. He yells and he hangs up. Amanda then picks up her phone and calls the hospital asking for the oncology department. And she talks to a nurse and she's like, hey, uh, I'm supposed to have an appointment tomorrow. Can you please make sure Michael is not allowed there? (laughs) Fair enough. So we cut to Amanda at her uh, oncology follow-up appointment with her actual oncologist doctor. And she's like, great. She's on her way to a full recovery. That's great. 
She brings up, though, that uh, Dr. Mancini has been harassing her. And the oncologist says, well, since he's the referring physician, there's nothing I can do. I'm like, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's not accurate. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I think you're correct on this, Mary. You know, they work at the same facility. And mm-hmm, also, mm-hmm. like, he's a doctor. He has a certain responsibility. But anyway, he's like, oh, just contact the chief of staff. And Amanda replies, well, if he's anything like the last chief of staff, I doubt he'll be much help. <laughs> which is a fun little shout out to Dr. Peter Burns, who I also forgot about. Uh, The doctor suggests going to the police and Amanda grumbles, one of these days, I'm going to sue the hell out of this hospital. And I'm surprised more people haven't. Anyway, as that doctor leaves, Amanda is getting uh, back into her clothes. She's getting out of her hospital gown. She hears someone coming in the room behind her and she turns around. And of course it's Michael. She's like, get the hell out. He comes in whispering so he doesn't get caught. And he's like, you must feel something for me. And he goes toward her and she slaps him in the face. And she says, the only reason I put up with you for this long is because you helped me when I was sick. Now you have two seconds or I'm calling the nurse in here and your reputation is ruined. And I said, would it really be at this point? I don't know. Anyway, he gets down and he grovels and he's like, I just want to prove that I can be good to you. She says, this is embarrassing. And if he has any dignity at all, he cuts her off. And he's like, all I want is for you to love me. And she says, get off of me, you slime. Get out of here. You disgust me. He says, he'll leave but he knows what's wrong. She just thinks he's still the old Michael, but he's not playing, baby. She'll see. And she's like, I don't ever want to see you again. <laughs> well, that's not what happens. Uh, later, <laughs> she gets home. This is after her adorable scene with Sydney, who says, I'm not happy with the way TNT is treating his eyes. Uh, she goes in her apartment and Michael is there and he's making an authentic Italian dinner for her. And he's singing a little song that's like the old Noodle Roni jingle. He's like, the mozzarella and the pasta and the primavera and the linguine, the pasta, boom, boom, boom. And it's like he works in an olive garden. <laughs> it was very funny to me. Uh, she walks in, she's like, what the hell are you doing here? He pours her a glass of wine and says, put your feet up, baby. By the way, while you were staying at the beach house, I took the liberty of copying your keys. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. <laughs> it's not okay. I don't um, understand what the problem is. Listen, he was there to help. He just loves her so much. He just wants to make her a dinner, mama mia. She's like, um, she's like, I haven't called the cops yet only because I'm grateful that you helped when I was sick. And he's like, I cured you of cancer. It hasn't it worked out well. You come home healthy but tired after a long day. And I whipped up the best tortellini and pesto in the city. Imported pine nuts. That's the key. She goes, get out or I'm calling 911. He says, after what happened at the hospital, he realized she doesn't believe in his sincerity, how selfless he can be now. But he thinks he's, she's starting to get it. She picks up the phone to call 911. He says, okay, okay, don't bother the cops. I'll leave. And he goes on, I'm just happy to see you're having a good dinner tonight. I've got patience now. And then time is on my side. She tells him to get out and leave her alone. And he goes to the door and he says, you'll come around, baby. You'll come around. And he blows her a kiss and leaves. Is that wrong? Mamma mia! <laughs> um, I forgot they kept this going as long as they did. I thought it was going to end when she... Yeah, I thought it was over off. too. Yeah. I guess they have to keep it going until the alleged bombing. But like... Al- Why do you say not- alleged bombing? Because I technically never saw it. <laughs> yes, you did? No, not really. Uh, this is this was wackadoodle, and this was a very silly little storyline. The part where he is walking around making her Italian dinner while she's not home without her permission and singing his little Olive Gardeny song. It was very cute, and I wish they would do that more often. 
And I like anytime Michael cooks, like, cause you know, he loves to cook the fish. Mm-hmm. He, he loves to make that big bucket of stew. He made he, the chili dogs. I'm surprised he didn't try to make your chili dogs. You, there's no surefire way to get a woman horny, like giving her some some good, good chili dogs. <laughs> anyway, this was a fun little moment. It was very ridiculous. Um, in real life, I don't know that this would have been as funny as it seemed to me on the show. It would be more disturbing. But because it's Michael, I he's just a, he's just a doofus. He's a terrible doofus. He listen. He's trying his best. Maybe I need to start blowing more kisses at people. Maybe that <laughs> does work. I haven't tried it. <laughs> close out all my zoom meetings let me <laughs> let me hold on let me tell you this if you make them a plate of delicious pasta Ooh. and then blow them a kiss that that will be effective for many people will that work better on a man than chili dogs yes yes good good to know let good me just to assure you <laughs> wow well what a ride this week was this was this was really something um what if you had a did you have any other highlights you would want to draw attention to? I do. I do this week, actually. Um, okay. So I liked when there was a scene where Amanda and Brooke were scheming together and making scheming faces. Mm-hmm. And as they went back to their desk, like they literally walked away from their desks together and talked and then they came back. So <laughs> no, it didn't look suspicious at all. But Billy comes back and Amanda sees it. So then she has to flip into bitch mode. And she's like, Brooke, you got to get it together. You're not working for daddy anymore. And mm-hmm. Brooke walks away like she's wounded. And Billy comes over, he's like, hey, Amanda, like, I know you're starting over at the bottom and you're stressed out, but you can't take it out on Brooke. And Amanda goes, why not? She's there, which yeah. is the greatest Amanda Woodward line. Uh, later, Billy comes up to Brooke's mansion because he's decided he wants to get busy. And he looks up and he sees a light on what he presumes is her window. I don't think he knows which one is hers. And he starts throwing gravel at it. And she comes down a spiral staircase on the exterior of the house, which seemed like a design choice. Uh, and anyway, they start macking on each other and they go upstairs and they do it. And the next day at work, this is some real artistic brilliance. I'm surprised you didn't bring this up. We cut to her walking down that deadly spiral staircase at D&D. And he says, it's nice watching you come down a spiral staircase again. Yeah, that was inappropriate. She did say, remember, Billy, not at work. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make it okay. No, but... Then again, she has done that to him at work several times. So not that what's good is good for the goose is good for the gander, but maybe it is. I don't know much about geese or ganders. Uh, I mean, oh, that that scene we already talked about. Oh, the moment so when when Amanda and uh, Sydney bump into each other at the mailboxes right before their conversation, she says to Sydney, "Are you playing playing dress up? Are we?" Because Sydney's in a power suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Billy. Uh, Allison makes Billy take her to dinner. Again, I'm not sure how this keeps happening. Uh, she's, this was after the disastrous Mrs. Molly's cookies presentation. She said, it's unfortunate that she can't black out on margaritas anymore. Uh, she thanks <laughs> him for listening. And she's like, no one understands me, but at least you try. And he's like, yeah, you're under a lot of stress. And, you know, she then immediately twists it. And she's like, well, you've never been in this kind of position before, Billy. It's worse than a pressure cooker, but I'm handling it. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Uh, she's got a lot going on she says there's no one to feel proud of me because of my parent my parental troubles parental troubles that's how we're shorthanding it now (laughs) we're just gonna glide right over the kiss the cook apron uh (laughs) so he's trying to leave and she's like oh but i have so much on my mind i'll be up for hours unless of course i could find a friend to help me relieve the tension (laughs) 
you were always good at that. If you know what I mean, I'm like, I think he knows what you mean. Like, I think he got it. Uh, He just smiles and she says, uh, come on, before I dock your paycheck, which is, again, you can't can't do, cannot say that, cannot say that, cannot do that. That is bad. Is that okay? He's like, maybe you should be clear. Just to be clear. Yeah. That is, that is not allowed, right? Because like, I've, I've actively chosen not to say that. Just, yeah keep doing that keep okay. using that okay good that. good um she's like maybe you should just take a hot bath or a cold shower he's got other things to do she gets mad but he walks away and that's when he goes to brooks and the spiral staircase one more thing brooke goes into allison's office near the end of the episode she calls her in and she says like oh me and billy had a relationship and we're almost married but it's over now i guess i never really understood that up until now now i don't feel like i have any friends in the world and Brooke's making her big eyes. And she's like, I'm sure that's not true, Allison. Allison's like, uh, I don't want to get too personal. And Brooke makes nervous face because she doesn't know if Allison knows that she and Billy are doing it now. Mm-hmm, and Allison mm-hmm. goes on, I'm so grateful I can trust you. Brooke says, the feeling is mutual. Allison's like, good, because it's open warfare around here. And I need you to do a favor for me. And Brooke's like, yeah. And I mean, Allison asks her to spy on Amanda befriend her try to find out what she's trying to do before she does it because i know she's up to something that Mm -hmm. tyler hirsch fiasco was no accident and brooke puts on her big innocent face she goes if that's what you need me to do i'll do my best Mm -hmm. she's doing a great job being a sneaky sneak (sighs) did you have anything else um i liked at the end when amanda said to brooke it's close to time for our palace coup (gasps) that was fun and it made me think of uh, January 6th and Republicans. Well, that's not as much fun. Uh, they they were trying to palace coup, but I think Amanda's is going to be better. Do you think if Amanda had been involved in planning that, it would have gone better? I think so. <laughs> we have discussed this. Amanda <laughs> Woodward was clearly a Trump voter. Yeah. That, that But the type of Trump voter, if like you showed her what Donald Trump was like at the end, she would not have supported him. But she supported him at the beginning and then like, oh, we heard about the pussy grabbing and like, she was like, okay, locker room talk. And remember immediately after that, they had the the Bill Clinton's rape accusers show up at the debate. So it was like, yeah. everybody's really bad. Everything's chaos, right? Yeah. And it just kept getting worse. But uh, yeah, Amanda Woodward, I think she, I think she would have been uh, smearing feces on the wall in the Capitol. I think she would have. She would have stolen at least one podium for her apartment. Oh my God. You know, and just run a good campaign off of it too she probably would keep it down by the pool though for speeches it's more room yeah um mary i do have to tell you breaking news donald trump has officially filed paperwork with the fec to run for president again well he's got amanda's vote trump 2024 are we really living in this mary The problem, he's giving his speech right now, but it's standing room only. But he is had, it like an Arby's? Well, he had enough seats, but he lost them all. <laughs> That's not an original joke. I stole it from Twitter, but it's a good one. <laughs> Look, you're just you're harvesting the best of the best. Yeah, yeah. We're living through this, Donald Trump. He continues, and uh Democrats everywhere are rejoicing. You know, I would like I would like to see less Donald Trump and more Matt in these episodes. When is Matt gonna come back? Yeah. Uh he was there saying he couldn't find Kimberly. That was the it, that was it though. He had one line, I think. Which is funny because wasn't it a week ago that he was couldn't find Michael? 
Kimberly was looking for Michael. Job now. <laughs> He's like HR for the hospital. Like, no, one of them's not at work. Does the other He's one know? Where HR they are? for the hospital confirming that they do not have the agreement with Santa Ana Hospital. Matt would be a great HR person. He's IT, right? He had to stay late to make sure the computer system went well. He still is social work there for adoptions. Oh yeah. He's apparently the the oncology consultant Michael's working with for Amanda. <laughs> and he has full access to blood records still and uh hospital records on uh experimental drugs that Peter Burns is working with. God, he's a real jack of all trades. That's how he saved 33 saved himself from that rent increase. It's a good thing because he's I'm sure he's putting all that money into his legal defense fund. <laughs> Mary, I I can I am just so excited to like power through to the season finale. Cannot wait. It's a it's a real real burner. She has to show up so she can be murdered. Like she's gotta show up this next week. Oh yeah, that lady, yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to because they're bringing Mancini Designs back into the storylines. Well, I mean, we know they're going to because we've seen this before. <laughs> no, like I'm saying, like it has to happen now. Oh, well, yeah, right. Because come on, James got to start screwing around with that guy or trying to. Yeah, yeah. God, it's been nice not having Jane around. I will say that. She was out with Matt. I hope not. She's going to be a downer. This week's episode of the Melrose Place cast is... Sp- <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll stop. Let's try it again. You're going to leave this in, aren't you? <laughs> All right. This week's episode of the Melrose Place cast is supported by the following generous sponsor. Picture a female executive. Mm-hmm. Young, stressed from her day in the big city high rise. She opens the drawer of her desk looking for the one thing that can help her get through this day from hell. She picks up a bag of Mrs. Molly's factory sandwich cookies. <gasps> but it's empty! Oh, no. I can't believe it! She paces in a rage, and then she spots out her window a Mrs. Molly's delivery truck 15 floors below. She thinks for a moment, then throws up in the window and leaps into the air, diving for the truck below like Superman, because there is never a wrong time to jump for a Mrs. Molly's cookie. But that begs the question. Sure, that young stressed female executive might have had her snack it snack itch scratch for now but what about later after she gets home where is she gonna jump then oh god fat free cookies do not a day's worth of caloric intake make even though i keep trying (laughs) (laughs) you and me both queen (laughs) and a busy lady in the 90s doesn't have time to be stopping at the grocery store on her way home God knows she might run into one of her exes there and she doesn't always have the time in her schedule to eventually stop and dump a jar of spaghetti sauce over his head. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, worry no more about where to jump after work because you can jump right into your own fridge with Rhonda's Culinary Funk. Oh, Jesus. Fucking hell. And their all new collaboration with Dr. Michael Mancini. Mancini Ronnie. Oh my God. Mary, this is more offensive than my 9-11 jokes. (laughs) Never. Anyway, Mancineroni has all of the Italian flavors you've come to know and love. <laughs> Mancineroni? Mancineroni. These are made by a real Italian surgeon slash oncologist slash womanizer. Due to some recent cash flow issues due to blackmail, Michael has paired up with Rana's Culinary Funk to share some of his Mama Mancini's most beloved Italian recipes without her permission. 
just like the old noodle roni jingle, you'll love his takes on the mozzarella and the pasta and the primavera and linguine, all the pasta, boom, boom, boom. And just for those busy young career women on the go and or jumping out the window for cookies, for no extra charge and without your permission, you can have Dr. Michael Mancini show up to personally prepare your Mancini Roni dinner for you in your own home before you even get home for work because he took the liberty of copying your keys. <laughs> Just think how wonderful it will be to get home after a long day of being called disgusting and inhuman only to be surprised by a stranger in your home whipping up the best tortellini and pesto in the city, imported pine nuts, that's the key. And never forget, and never fear after you ask him. Wait, never forget or never fear? Never fear. Can you, can you be clear on your messaging here, Mary? Never fear. After you ask him to leave several times, he'll go. You don't have to bother the cops. He's just happy to see you're having a good dinner tonight. He'll even blow you a kiss on his way out. And... The best part of all, if you visit Rhonda's Culinary Funk.biz right now and enter promo code, my mother took her life by jumping from a 15-story window and you poke fun at that question mark, Rhonda will throw in an extra fun dessert. That's right. She's collaborating with that little cookie maker at Mrs. Molly's Cookies. You're going to get one free sleeve of their all-new fat-free cookies to sit on your couch and wash down with a glass of wine after Michael finally leaves your apartment. That's Rhonda's Culinary Funk. You'll be glad you learned to boil water. Oh, Rhonda, where have you been all this season? I know. I'm so glad she made it in right at the end here. Just, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> this is fantastic. Um, I am a little concerned. I just want to be sure I'm understanding this. Mm-hmm. Rhonda, as part of her business, is now making keys to people's apartments without their consent. Michael is doing that. And partnering with Rhonda. She's partnering on the food aspects. Okay. Meal kit delivery. Michael just takes a first-hand interest in personally delivering those. Oh, Michael's like the Uber Eats guy. It's just like that. It's the same idea. Here's the thing. I I love Rhonda. want to support Rhonda's business. I thought meal kit delivery services were already a little too expensive for my taste. I really did. I haven't done it for that reason, even though there's some great vegan ones. I just feel like, you know, when they're like, it's only $9 a plate. Bitch! Nine dollars a plate. I'll go to 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 uh so many options. Subway, eat fresh. No, not Subway. No, no. ew. Um, somewhere, but not at home. That's the answer. That's too much money at home. Too much money at home. At home, you like your dinner. You should be sad about it. It'd be like I fucking hate this. Why didn't I go somewhere? <laughs> why, why didn't I go to the Noodles and Company? Oh, but you Chipotle. know Noodles and Company. Noodles and Company can't hold a candle to Mancini-Roni. Mancini-Roni. Okay, so not only do we have the meal kit delivery service, now we have to pay Mancini for the Uber Eats service fee? That's like... No, 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 no. Michael does that for the love of the food. Oh. He He just wants to, you're having a good meal tonight. I thought it was for the love of the ladies. Well, that too, but that's not (laughs) part of the marketing materials. (laughs) Ah, Mancini-Roni. What are the sauce options? Oh my goodness, there are so many sauce options. I mean, you can get your standard amerinara. I'm sorry, what? Amerinara. Okay. You got a spaghetti. You got a linguine with clam sauce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You got a 
lots you got a tortellini sauce mm-hmm. you got alfredo mm-hmm. all the sauces there's ketchup there's mustard we got honey mustard we've got for, the, for pasta for pasta you you've met people in wisconsin when i have i have okay um, <laughs> now listen in a pinch if you don't have actual red sauce a little ketchup and a little uh sriracha works um any any codfish sauces oh my god I wasn't supposed to do this. Oh, it's, yes. It's going to be after Listen, I'm nothing if not a journalist, and I'm going to pull the secrets out of you. He's Codfish Secrets. It, after the new year, because there's too much going on right now. At okay. too busy. Uh, it, this. it is currently the middle of January. I th- So I think you mean after Valentine's after Day. After the Chinese New Year? <laughs> I don't know when that is next year. Anyway, uh, after a certain new year, Mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. will be a launch of additional uh, as a partnering with Mancini Roni, there will be a line of codfish sauces and special codfish related Italian food menu. Oh, I, I've been waiting for the codfish Italian crossover. For, we all? It seems like forever, you know, that, that this day would never come. I can see the relief on your face. And yet here it is. My God. As oh. As we stand here. On January 23rd, 2023. Wow. What a day it is. What a, a day. What a day. Infamy. <laughs> Especially if I don't edit out my ad. <laughs> I can't wait to, to go to Rhonda's Culinary Funk.biz. Yeah. And just check out some of these Mancini Roni options. Because, you know, I we don't have an Olive Garden in, in my small town. Because we have a lot of character and class. Not like the suburb. And you bitches would would take an Olive Garden in a minute. You would be packed every the night. Un- <laughs> unlimited soup and bread soup and breadsticks for lunch. Oh my god. That. I would eat that. Let's be honest. Like Do you know Logan's friend was said to him, this is a true story. Logan is 13 years old, so his friend is about that age. She was going to Olive Garden that night and she was so excited because she told him that they give you, she said, you know those little candies they give you at the end? And Logan has never been to Olive Garden and said, no, I don't know. And she said, oh my God, they're the best things ever. And I was like, look, do you mean Andy's candies? That like, they come in a box of 200 for like five bucks. Like, yeah, those are the library meetings. Yeah, do you want to just get yourself? But Listen, you Olive should... Garden makes an impression on any number of people. You know what you could do? You could order some of these Mancini Roni meals from Rhonda's Culinary Funk. Uh huh. Uh huh. And then call an Uber car to run to the store and get you those Andy's mints so that he can try them with his. That is, that is some shit my dumbass Gen Z nephew would do, right? Like they don't think anything about the Uber Eats meal fee, the delivery fee. They yeah. just think that's the cost of living. To them, it is. But on the other hand, if you don't go to the store, you run little risk of having someone open a jar of spaghetti sauce over your head. There's <laughs> that to think about. Oh, Mincy Neroni. I shop here. So wait, seriously, how, how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? <laughs> Man, I told you this, right? So it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the, re- the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far. Okay. But there's also, but then Mary, there's the, the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. Oh God. How long? Yeah. And, and uh, Models Inc. has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc.? It, it's a two season spinoff. 
Of what? What do they of, of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. The lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. And I do think 90210 to get to understand where this show came from is probably worth exploring. I, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Allie McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the contents of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> okay, so we're in for all of it. Oh, God. 